0: So my message this morning comes from like a, just a short story, a parable that Jesus spoke that I've honestly never really understood until maybe fairly recently, never really made sense to me. I kind of understand the point, but I didn't understand the story that goes along with the point. And it's from uh, Luke 12. So uh, the context here is there's, in Luke 12, verse verse 13, there's somebody from the crowd. So Jesus would often speak to a crowd, and then uh, there would be uh, something like a question asked or something like that. And he would kind of answer the question, and then he would take this as a teachable moment and use it to you know maybe tell a parable a story and like speak to the whole speak to the whole crowd and so that's exactly what happens here in verse 13 there's somebody from the crowd that says teacher tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me and then Jesus is like who made me a judge over you you know it's not my decision and then he says, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And then from there, he like stems off and creates this teachable moment where he, he tells a parable. And this parable is what, I, what started my message here, or what's got me thinking about you know, what I wanted to speak about this morning. And here's the parable. We're going to read over It's really short. Um, in 16, it says, then he spoke a parable to them, saying... The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So, he, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And so I, I get the point of what he's saying here, but I'm like, how does this, like, how did what he do here, how was that wrong in God's eyes? Because I, I would have done the same thing, to be honest, when I read this. It's like, if you don't have room to put your stuff in the barns. Probably build bigger barns. You know, has, has there ever been a year when you've seen Oak Hill without an addition that they're working on? You know, they're building bigger barns. Or WBR with uh, another paint van or two. You know, they're just they're stewarding the growth that they're taking in. And I would have thought the same thing, that's what this guy's doing. Like if I was in his shoes and I had too many crops you you just you grow it you you build bigger barns to take in the crops and so i don't think that's what god is going after like i'm like god why does this annoy you so much why are you so angry at this guy for doing this and i think the answer to that question is found in his question to this rich guy and look at the question that he asks. He says, "Full this night your soul will be, required of, will, will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So that right there was a key to me where, like, this guy wasn't thinking beyond himself. He was just thinking for his own life while he was here on this earth. And that really bothers God. Because he he views our life so differently. Like he's been here since the beginning of time. He will continue to be here. And like when we're just so focused on our life rather than looking past us, because God's like, whose will those things belong to? It's almost like this guy didn't think beyond himself. He didn't think, what about the people coming after me? And I feel like it's just like God, it just really bothers him when we look at so short term, our life and you know me, myself, and I, just my life. And I feel like that's what bothered God with this whole thing. His He views it so differently. He views timing. He views life my life so differently oftentimes than I do. And it's kind of like, I used this example before. I think I spoke it to you a while back, some of you, maybe at the retreat or something like that. But um, it's kind of like there's this verse that says a day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And in other words, he views time differently than we do is really what that verse is saying. The best way I know how to explain it is like his perspective is different, and it's kind of like if I was sitting down with Methuselah, the oldest man in the Bible, 969 years old is how old he lived to be. Let's just say I was having coffee with Methuselah, and we can create this scenario where, like, I'm pouring my heart out to Methuselah. Let's just put myself out at, let's say I'm having like a midlife crisis, you know, wherever that age is, where maybe 50 years old, my life is about half over, and it hasn't turned out the way I thought it would be. Like, when I was younger, I had all these dreams, and I reached halfway through my life, and I'm not anywhere where I thought it would be. And it's kind of like that stage where, like, you know, you just go out and do the impulsive purchase. Like, you buy the red sports car because you deserve it. You haven't had it your whole life, and you, you want it. You know, whatever that age is, we'll just say 50, and let's say that's what's going on in my life. So I'm sitting down, I'm talking with Methuselah and explaining this to him. Well, he would have no idea what I'm talking about. He doesn't, first of all, know what a red sports car is. And second, like, his. His idea of time is so different from mine. His perspective of time is so different from mine. He'd be like, 50? 50 years old? Like, you're just getting started. You know how much, many, many years you have after that? Like, you have 900-some more years to go for the rest of your life. And I feel like, like that's, in a sense, that's God's perspective for our life. Like, our life is so short, with what God sees here. You know, it's just a drop in the bucket. It's a grain of sand on the beach. It's so, so short. And he looks, he doesn't just look at your life. He's seen all the lives before you, and he looks at all the lives after you. So he sees the decisions that you make today, and he's like looking ahead and seeing how they impact the lives that come after you. And so he's always thinking so much so much bigger than we do. Um, I used this coin example before where, like, when you look at truths in the scripture, in the kingdom, it's often like a coin where there is, it's kind of like, you know, in a Proverbs, it's like, answer a fool according to his folly. On the other side of the coin, it's don't answer a fool according to his folly. its It seems contradicting, but its the, it's two different sides of the same coin. And there's so many truths in the Bible that are like that, to where like, it doesn't matter what I preach about. I can preach about one thing, and then you could probably find the opposite of that on the other side of the coin. But it's the same coin. It's from the same. It's from the same book. And so, with what I'm preaching about today, or where I'd like to go today, you know, first of all, like this whole thing of like looking past yourself, looking into the generations beyond you, like us as Christians. Are, to, to be honest, we're not very well known for like, looking or thinking far ahead of us. That's not really how people see us. And all you have to do is just, like, the, if we know the song um, Country Boy Can Survive. Anyone know that song? What's the first line in that song? Preacher man says it's the end of time. You know, that's kind of like the thought. That, that's, that's the label that's put on Christianity. We're like, that, you know, that preacher on the street corner, end of the world, shouting it's the end of time. That's, that's the general thought among Christians. And it's not necessarily a bad thought. Like, it, it is a side of the coin. And, and it is true. Like, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, how long we're promised. We, we might not be here tomorrow. And so, there's like fruit that can come from that that actually is good fruit, where you can live your life if, like, if today you might not have tomorrow. And you, it may it impacts the way you, you do your relation, have your relationships. It impacts the way you forgive people because you don't know when the end of your life is. But that's the that's the side of the coin that most people see when they look at when they look at uh, you could say Christianity in general. We don't do very well with the other side of the coin. It's almost contradicting thoughts, but it's the same side of the coin. The other side of the coin is what if there's generations after, generations after generations after generations after generations after us we you just don't hear that very much in the church i feel like you're starting to hear that a little bit more but it's something that you just don't see a whole lot and the truth is that like your life you're living a life based off of what somebody else has sown and somebody else will live a life based off of what you sow and, you know we all it's true that you sow you reap what you sow but you also reap what other people have sown. And other people will also reap what you've sown. There's, there's always overlap. Like you, you, you have your own life in a sense. But in another sense, you don't really have your own life. Like you're living off of what other people have, the choices that other people have made. And you see that in John 4. Um, Jesus just comes off. He just was speaking to the woman at the well. And then um, there's this great harvest with the town there, the Samaritans there. And so the harvest is like right after that scripture where Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. It's right here. It's ripe. And he tells the disciples this, he says in John 4, 37, 38, he says, for in this, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And that's true with our life today. We're like... Others have made decisions, they've labored, and we've entered into their labors. And that's what he's telling these disciples. He's like, the harvest is here, it's ready. You guys didn't do the work to get it ready, but you get to take it in. You get to reap what they've done. And then we also, we get to do the work for other people to reap what, what we've sown. And he, he sees this in, in John 4. It's really, I mean, it's a ripple effect. There's, our lives have such a ripple effect that it's just, it's crazy when you think about it. A little bit scary too, but when you think about like little decisions that you make that impact the lives of other people that completely change their life and, and, and maybe yours. Like I look back, just a couple examples I don't see Tim Gingrich here in the service here, but I remember meeting him for the first time. He comes here to Wellspring. He's moved here. I was down in North Carolina for a youth conference, very similar to the Rugged Retreat, a whole lot bigger, hundreds of of kids. And uh, I didn't know very many people, probably two or three, uh, just basically my carload that I came down with, and it wasn't many. And so I was just sitting there, people everywhere. It was the beginning of the conference, and I think there were some people playing volleyball or something like that, and I was just sitting off to the side. Happened to be sitting beside this guy, Tim. I didn't know his name was Tim, but it was him he was from kentucky and somehow we strike up a conversation i don't know what caused me to just like stick my hand out and introduce him but introduce myself but i did and we met and started somehow talking about deer hunting <laughs> again i have no idea how we started talking about deer hunting maybe he was wearing camouflage or something like that And it just, it started a whole conversation. And then from there, it was the beginning of the weekend. So we had the rest of the weekend kind of like see each other here and there and like build up a little bit of a relationship, find out he's from Kentucky, first time here, it's my first time there. And it just started something. Months later, we, I went to another conference, which was based from the same organization in the winter, and this was in Virginia or West Virginia, and somehow ended up inviting him. Telling I told him that I was going to be there, and there was a couple other friends that I brought along that were going to be there, and we met him again there. And then from there, I told him about discipleship. Discipleship started up in the winter. I think it was the next year he came here for discipleship. And then ended up moving here and started a business here. And then eventually married Emily, who's just down uh, Pennsylvania-New York border. Met her down there. And um, then they got married. And it's like, it just never ends. Like, it just keeps going. And it all started from... Me just sitting down next to this guy I didn't know and started talking about deer hunting, and now there's people that are employed by him. There's people that have moved here and have come to this church that that work for him because of the business that he started here. And it's it's crazy when I think about little stuff like that and how that's impacted um, lives just because of these little decisions. And I'm I'm living my life probably off of somebody else's small decision that they made and it created a ripple effect. And now here I am and it keeps going on. You know, we look at the Martellos. I remember meeting uh, a guy that. Went to Hammondsport School as one of Jeff's teachers. Jeff was a Spanish teacher. And somehow ended up getting to bring him to church, uh, not Jeff, but his student. And uh, then his student, the guy that I knew, said, hey, his Spanish teacher is a Christian. He wonders if he, if he could invite him to this camp meeting where Harold Eberly showed up in 2015. And I said, sure, you can invite him. And so we invited him, and I met Jeff for the first time back in 2015 at the camp meeting. Somehow we got phone numbers. I don't know, but I ended up having his phone number. Years and years later, which 2020, all the churches are shut down. Wellspring is one of the only ones the ones that's open. And somehow Jeff finds out that Wellspring's open. I remember getting this text from him. I haven't talked to him in a long, long time, years. And just he's asking me if churches, if our church is open and if we're taking if guests are allowed to come. And through that, he ended up coming here. And now their family is like such a vital part of what we do here at Wellspring. But it was just through like a friend of a friend of a friend, meeting someone here, exchanging phone numbers and and it's changed, it's changed lives. And so it's just this ripple effect thing is is crazy when you think about it. I think like your life is just so much, so much more than, than yourself. I think that's what Jesus was saying when he's like, lose your life, lose your life, hate your life, then you'll find it. Like it's looking past yourself. It doesn't mean to like hate your life as far as, like, hate yourself, hate your circumstances. No, it just means to, like, he's saying this is a whole lot bigger than you. You know, just the same thing with the guy building the barns. Like, this is a whole lot bigger than you. You've got you've to, gotta, in a sense, step back and say, what am I building that goes way, way beyond me? That's when you find life. Um, there's this passage in Jeremiah. We know it. I think it's actually the passage where the really familiar verse where Jesus says, or where he says, I know the plans I have for you. It's right around that area somewheres. But before then, um, Jeremiah 29.4. Here's the context of what's happening here. The Israelites are going into captivity, and God is causing it. He's actually causing them to go into captivity for 70 years. So imagine that, like the rest of your life. You're going to be moved, you're going to be uprooted, put in a, a, a town that doesn't you know they're they're different culture, different beliefs. They don't love God, and you're stuck there for the rest of your life, seventy years. And you know, just put yourself in that scenario. Like, what what would you be your first response if that was you? My first response would be like, I'm not investing in this town. I'm not putting down my roots. Like seventy years. Like this is not my town. These are not my people. This is not my culture. Seventy years would be over. Like it, it's my gut instinct is to like not not let myself you know, be a part of that community, be a part of that town. But here's God's um, uh, charge to these people in verse 4. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to whom all were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he says it right there. Like, he's just honest. He says, I've caused this. I've caused you to be captive and carried away to, to Babylon. Here's what he says. He says, Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters so that you may be increased there and not diminish and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. It's just a—it's just a powerful several verses there. Some of the translations say, "Seek the welfare of the city, for in its welfare will be your welfare." It's connected with the city. They're only going to be there for seventy years, but God's like, "No, you got to build houses, build houses that last more than seventy years." I think dwell and then plant gardens, have kids, seek the peace of this city. Who is not? These aren't your people. These don't have your beliefs. But he wants them to seek the peace of this city, for in that city's peace. Your piece is connected to it. to it, And that's like, that's my challenge I think for this Sunday service is like I just wanted to, I want to challenge that like short-range thinking in the sense where like even if you're not going to be here long, even if you don't feel like you're going to be in Yan long or anything like that, like there is a sense where you can live. You can, I think there's a way we can live, where'd my coin go, there's a way we can live where like Yes, we realize we don 't we might not have tomorrow that can affect the way we live our life. There can be fruit from that because we can realize that you know i 'm going to forgive quickly i 'm going to put relationships first because I might not have tomorrow at the same time i might I might have tomorrow so i 'm going to invest i 'm going to grow i 'm going to let my roots grow deep and just put myself into whatever community and people group i 'm a part of because this is going to affect my kids this is going to affect my grandkids and all the people that are beyond me you know, i 'm just so glad that my parents have sown into their community because it's affected my life, and my grandparents have done the same thing. It just keeps going, and so I think there's a way we can live where we can we can have both sides of the same coin. And then, for, I mean, and please understand my heart. I don't mean to throw away the first part where it's like I don't want to I don't want to make fun of or, or or toss that out where it's like might be the end of time. But for this morning, I want to reveal the other side of the coin and talk about. We might have a lot of time in front of us, and I think there's a way where we can live or we can, we can uh, show both sides of the coin in our life. So that's my challenge. Um, this this proverb right here, I, I, don't, I was telling the group before, I don't really have a, I don't know if this is a Father's Day message. I suppose it could, but this one right here, I came across this verse, and it could speak to uh, the fathers for sure. It says in Proverbs 13, 22, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And so it just gives that thought where, like, you're thinking beyond yourself as a father. You're thinking to your children, thinking to your children's children. You're thinking much more beyond your own life. It's it's just a whole new level of thinking. It, It stretches my mind. There's this story. I've shared this before up here preaching, but... Um, we know the company Guinness, Guinness Beer. They're started in Ireland. In 1759 was when they were started. 34-year-old Arthur Guinness was the one that started the company, and he signed a 9,000-year lease at the Saint to use the location at the St. James Gate in Dublin, Ireland. They're still uh, there. <laughs> they have a long ways to go. 9,000 years. Imagine signing that paper, 9,000 years. Like, that is just a whole different level of thinking. We don't think that far ahead, but but um, well, you sure can lock in a good rate. Like, if, uh, I'm sure like the generations to come after this are going to be pretty glad that he signed that lease because it's going to be it. It stays the same. The bright, by the time it gets to nine thousand, it'll be like you're paying a, pen, a penny a month, you know. But it's just a different level of thinking. Like nine thousand years, it's, it's crazy how, how far ahead he thought here. Um, And that's kind of like what I wanted to stretch in myself and in our own minds. We're like... Let's look at the other side of the coin and be like, there is some incredible fruit when you realize that, you know what, there might be generations coming after you. It changes the way you live here. It changes the way you, 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 you grow. It changes the way you invest. It changes the way you put yourself into your community. And I think there's something that trips the heart of God when he sees people doing that. Like the early story when I shared, you know, there's something something that God sees when you're, when you're building, let's say, a business. and you're, 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 There's nothing wrong with building bigger barns. I don't, I don't believe so. Um, as long as it goes beyond yourself, because God sees. He's seen all since the beginning of time. He sees all ahead, and that's what he's focused on. He's focused on, you know, to be honest, he, he loves us. He's, he, he, he's so directly involved with our lives, but he's also looking ahead. He's also looking at what what are we building that affect the generations to come after us. Um, this song right here, I mentioned, you know, I feel like this whole thought process is changing in the church, like, um, we haven't been very well known for thinking kind of long range, way out ahead of us, but I, I think it's changing, to be honest. And, and one of the clues that causes me to think that way is in this new song. I came across this song last year, I think. It, I, everybody probably did if you're somewhat in the Christian music circles. The song is called The Blessing, powerful song. And I remember hearing that song, and my heart just like leapt out because I'm like, yes, like that's, that's what I want. That's what I want. There's, there, I just haven't heard a song like that. Maybe ever or in a while. And so I'd like to just read over the lyrics. Such a powerful and simple song. It really isn't a whole lot of uh, different words in here. It's like a lot of repetitive, but it just I just love the way that it's so simple and clear. So the blessing. Here it is. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Lots of amens. And then it says, May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations, your family and your children, and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations, and your family and your children, and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming, and you're going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. And then six times, it just says, he is for you. 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 May his favor be upon you in a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. It's just so simple, it's just so clear i but I, I just i when I heard that I was like I was saying, my heart just leapt out because I thought yes that's that's what I'm longing for right there There's something that changes in in my heart and my mind when I realize there's people that are coming after me, and i that i I want to build my life to where like I might not see the fruit of what I'm building, and that's a good thing i think god God loves when he sees that. Let's stand. I just like to end with this challenge then and then we'll pray like. There's a story where Jesus is talking to the Jews and they say, he's like, destroy this temple in three days and I'll build it up again. He's talking about himself, but the Jews think he's talking about the actual temple. They're like, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. Can you just imagine something that takes 46 years to build? Like, like I make fun of the projects going on the outlet right there that have taken, I don't know, five years, maybe. It's just they take forever. But 46 years, like that is crazy. What if you started a project that would take 46 years to build? You might not see the end of it. And so I just want to like challenge your thinking, like, what are you building in your life that you won't see the end, that you won't actually reap it? Somebody else is going to reap it. Are you sowing into something in your life that actually goes past your life but into the lives that are coming after you where where you will actually die you won't see the results but somebody else is going to see the results i think when we live that way like it just trips the heart of god where he's like i want to bless this person because he's thinking so much more beyond himself he's thinking of the generation after generations coming after you and there's a way that we can live where we 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 realize that it might not be, it could be our last day tomorrow we don't we're not promised tomorrow at the same time we're living as if we have lots of tomorrows, and that's the way I want to live. I want to stay somewhere in that in, in that middle and seeing both sides of the coin with that. Let's pray, Jesus. I pray for this this group right here, and Lord, I pray that you would put ideas, put dreams. Put put something in their heart and their mind, Lord, um, to where they can they can build something that's much much bigger than themselves. They can build something. I pray for for things to be things to be established, things to be birthed, things to be grown with this people, with this group here at Wellspring, that would go beyond our lives. You know, things that we wouldn't even see the fruit of. Things that I would be dead and long gone before somebody else would see the fruit, Lord. That's that's how I want to think. That's how I want to grow, Lord. And I'm thinking much much. Pass beyond myself and my own life, Lord. Speak something deep into my heart that trips my heart, that gives me that gives me a challenge, that gives me a, a way to to pursue and put growth into Jesus, Lord. I pray for these people right here that you would that you would. Um, draw yourself near to them, and um, that you would bless them so that they could be a blessing. Just like I was praying for Penn earlier, Lord, that you would use them in a powerful way, and then as they're being used, Jesus, they would get to taste, they would get to taste the work of their own hands. In a sense, we're like, I, I, I just see this group here being like a river, rather than a lake, but a river, where we're, we're letting your love, we're letting, we're letting you, God, flow through us into the lives of others, and while it's flowing through, we get to taste of your own goodness, Jesus. God, let us be a people that gives, knows, knows how to serve, knows how to look beyond ourselves. And I think we are. Like, I love seeing what's happening here at Wellspring. I love seeing the growth and the foundation that's being built in our community here. And God, I pray that it would just only continue, that it would only continue. We continue to build something that's much, much bigger than ourselves and than our own lives here on this earth. Bless these people, Jesus, so that they could be a blessing. Amen. Amen.